Okay, listen, it's summer, so let's have some fun on today's episode of Let Me Be Frank. I'm going to ask Bishop Caggiano about some of his favorite places to visit, his favorite books, his favorite movies, TV shows, music. It's going to be a fun episode that's coming up on Let Me Be Frank. So keep your radio right here on 1350 AM or keep listening to us on your phone using the mobile app. Remember, you can get the app at the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, or at VeritasCatholic.com. Veritas Catholic Network is bringing the truth to Connecticut and New York. So when you're tired of listening to noise, put on Veritas and be fed. All right, this is Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. I am Steve Lee, and as always, it is my great pleasure to introduce Bishop Frank Caggiano. Steve, my friend... Today we have an interesting conversation we're going to have, right? It's going to we're going to get it a, make it a little lighter. It's been heavy the past few weeks. Oh my know. gosh, hasn't it been? <laughs> but it's summer, it so we need to have some fun too. Yes, of course we do. So what do we want to talk about? I want to uh <laughs> I put back. my feet up on the desk too to make it comfortable. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. So now we we might really get frank now that you're relaxed and um well, I thought we could uh, take today and, and, and let the listeners and me get to know you a little bit better, and we'll talk about mm-hmm. some of your favorite things. Mm-hmm. So something Fine. light. So like, maybe we could start movies, off... Movies, stuff like that? Yes, exactly. But Okay. okay. I, I'd like to start with, um, keeping it light, I'd like to start with um, your biggest character flaw and your biggest enemy in life. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, my biggest character flaw. That could be no, no, five no, no. podcasts. <laughs> Are you kidding? Let's... Um... One, one of my character flaws... No, no, no. It's a great entree. No, okay. It's an excellent question to ask because I think everybody should be aware, right? Obviously, because if we take spiritual life seriously, besides our sins, which we obviously discern and admit, character flaws are just our personalities and we're different. Right? And sometimes it's to the better, and sometimes it's to the detriment. And one of my character flaws, one that I will readily admit, and anybody who knows me, particularly friends, know, they will not come as any great shock, is that I do not find it easy to relax. And part of it, well, there's many reasons for that. Part of it is personality, because I'm task-oriented, and I'm very logical, and I, I think I'm very logical, and I'm very... Um, I very much like to have order and discipline in everything I do. People comment when they come into my office, there's not a paper on my desk. No, because in fact, I have a filing system where everything is filed and I know exactly where I need to like move next, right? Hmm. But so it works well when you do your ministry and, but when time comes to relax, then you say to yourself, okay, now what do I do? And some people can disconnect very easily. I cannot, right? And that can have some really negative consequences because we've spoke about last year when we had this kind of similar talk, to recreate, to recreate is really in spiritual service of your spiritual and personal and mental and psychological and social health, right? Yes. Right. So, you know, it's funny, on Father's Day... I was with my nephew and my sister, and we were in the backyard in Brooklyn. I had arrived in time for the barbecue. My, my nephew made brisket, which was delicious. 
on the barbecue. Anyway, <laughs> and we're sitting there, and I just done, you know, all the things I needed to do and some paperwork. I'd also had time to do. And I got into the backyard. I sat in the chair. And I could feel an anxiety. This is strange to admit. For not doing anything except just chatting. In fact, they were chatting amongst themselves, my nephew and my sister. So I was kind of like just an observer. And I, was, I, I almost began to feel a bit anxious. Like, shouldn't I be doing something? <laughs> <laughs> right? So, um, so this summer, I continue to do what I normally do in the summer, is to use a different type of work to actually set the stage to rest and relax. So last year I talked about my painting. I love to paint. I love to hang wallpaper up. I love to do that sort of stuff. I love to clean outdoors. I like, see, because it's, it's busy. It is work. It's work that has a beginning, middle, and end, unlike ministry, which oftentimes never has an end. But it's almost like a halfway house. So I'm going 100 miles an hour. So you go 50 miles an hour. So you work a certain amount. Of, and then at night you go out for dinner. And then eventually I find myself relaxing to the point where I don't necessarily, of course, all the projects may be done anyway, but I don't need to. And I'm not in that experience that I had of Father's Day. Mm. Right? And that's when you, for example, you could read or watch movies yes. or do something like that and not feel as if, that this is time being stolen from something else. Yeah. You feel guilty. Does that make sense? Makes sense. It makes sense. And like you said, it's it's so important for us. It's you know, it occurs to me, I guess, it's really important for us to work. It's good for the soul to work. But then the balance on the other side. Yeah. And and we can become deformed very easily because of the, the amount of work that has to get done, the demands that are there. And quite frankly, you can't totally disconnect. You just can't. Like you can't from your family, I can't from my ministry because my ministry is my life yeah. in many ways. So you can't, but you do have to find it. Now, for during the year, like when, I, when I've, I've said to, to you, you know, we've talked about Mondays. Mondays is my desk day. So I try not to have meetings on Mondays. But there's still work to be done. There's still paperwork. It's all the catch-up from the week before. Mm -hmm. But it is different. So it's, you're not going 100 miles an hour. You're going 50 miles an hour. So in and of itself, that is a bit of a restful pause. But to go from 100 to, you know, stopped in your place, for me, it would take more than a day. So during the normal school and pastoral year, it doesn't happen really till summer. So I, I wonder if, for you, Excellency, you, you said um, a couple weeks ago that you are not going away anywhere this summer, but you're retreating with your, fa with your extended family coming to you. Yep. I wonder if it would be easier for you to disconnect if you actually physically just went away somewhere. You know, it's an interesting question. That is an interesting question. I have not gone away on vacation vacation in 12 years. Wow. In wow. 12 years. And, and there's no place on your bucket list, for example, of places that you still want to... You've, you've been to a lot of fantastic places, Rome and the Holy right. Land. And, oh, but, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But, um, are there, yeah, I guess there are. I, I just find... 
traveling to be such a hassle. <laughs> you know, Actually getting there? I, oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> just And dealing with all the stuff that you have to deal with. It's, it's, it's ironic. My mother, as I mentioned um, when last we spoke about this, my mother loved to, have, to go on a cruise. She loved it. Mm-hmm. So that was the last time I actually had an away vacation. I would always take my mother every year. And we would go to Nova Scotia, so it wasn't like we were going far. It was like four days. But that really was a disconnect. Yeah. And I guess um, when my classmates and I went on our cruise for our anniversary um, in the Mediterranean, that also, and I think that may have happened after my mother's death. So maybe that was the last time, to be honest. That was also... You know, it was fun. So the reason I like cruises is because once you get on the boat, you're done. Right. So there's no airports, no limousines, no TSA, that stuff, all this crazy stuff. And, and then, right. And, you know, that's starting up now. Yeah. All right. So Chicago to go to Mundelein. I'm going to St. Louis to give a talk. I'm going to Salt Lake City. I was asked by Bishop Solis to go, which I'm happy to do. Then this Legatus, all right, in Arizona. So now it's beginning. After a year, year and a half, it's beginning. So I don't travel maybe once or twice a month. I'm going somewhere for ministry, which I love. I enjoy. I love giving talks. I love it. And it also helps enrich my ministry. But when you add it all up, then to say, you're going on vacation, I'm going to go to X and I have to travel. There's a part of me that says, well, that's the last thing I want to do, which is different from other people who love to travel and would travel on right yeah mm-hmm. so i was gonna say you're doing it again excellency you're talking about work again and going right back of into work <laughs> of course but of course uh i mean so i'm just gonna i'll just ask one it's not like the pyramids in egypt or machu picchu or australia or alaska nothing like okay. that kind of strikes your yeah yeah i um well if i i've had the privilege to be to a lot of different places i've okay. been to 26 different countries because wow. of ministry Right. In fact, in my in my little office in the in in my apartment, my parents, you know, apartment in Brooklyn, which is now mine, I have a flag on the top of the bookcase for every uh, country I have visited, which is kind of neat. Yeah, that's cool. Are there places I want to go? Absolutely. Where do I want to go? Um, start with the religious ones. I have not yet been to Our Lady of Guadalupe, and I want to go. Yeah. And I also want to go to Our Lady of Knock in Ireland. Yes. Those two places I wish to go. Yes. Because I've been, with the help of God, I've gone to the Holy Land more than once. And of course, Rome, you know, it's, it's, it's part of my ministry to, to check in every yeah. once in a while. Um, you took your mom to Fatima. Exactly, and yep. Lourdes. And with Malta, please God, next year I'll go back with Malta. Yeah. You, maybe you'll come, right? Yes. You'll come. Yep. Right? You're part of Malta. Uh, in the natural beauty, the two places I would love to go to, I would like to see the Grand Canyon, hmm. which I have not seen. Yeah. And I want to go to Yosemite National Park because I believe it's in Yosemite National Park that the sequoias are, right? Oh, okay. Or is it Sequoia National Park? I don't. I, I, the bottom line is I want to see the sequoia trees. I want to see the sequoias. I, see. I, think, I think those are in... Actually, I'm not going to even guess. I don't. I think they're I, in California, I, I, but yeah, they are definitely in California. And of course, this shows you I have to find where they are first before <laughs> I can visit them. But whatever it is, because <laughs> since I was a little boy, 
those, those fascinated me. And then countries that fascinate me that I have not yet been to are in this order. India. Huh. Okay. Uh, Japan. <coughs> mm-hmm. And Korea. Those three places that I've not been. Now, rumor has it, World Youth Day may go to Korea after Portugal. No way. That's the rumor, yeah. So that would be like 20, 25, 26. Yep. And which would be tremendous. And um, I think, actually, I think Korea hosted the Asian World Youth Day, where the Asian countries got together. In fact, the new prefect for clergy uh, met Francis because he was the host of that event. Ah, okay. That's how they made their acquaintance. India has always fascinated me. India has always fascinated me. And I was due to go to India this past October if it wasn't for COVID. Because one of the, um, an archdiocese in India that has been very generous and sent us a number of extraordinarily fine priests was celebrating its 50th anniversary. And I was kindly invited and I was going to go and some of those priests were going to kind of be my tour guides, but of ah. course COVID re- rewrote that. But yeah, I would very much like to go yeah. to India. So those three places. So yeah. cool. So. Uh, well, maybe I'll see you in Korea. We have a lot of extended family still there in Korea. There you, so. you could be my tour guide. That would be a riot, Steve. Why not? <laughs> you know, it's uh, I couldn't because um, I don't speak the language very well anymore. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you, the older generation of native Koreans, they really don't like the fact that... Um, actually, I guess I'm not young anymore, but my generation and, and younger folks don't speak the language very well so i need to go with family and have them do all the talking well did you speak it once did you once speak it i did i spoke it um growing up it was my actually it was my first language that i spoke in the house before english then you know what you have it yeah i think what happens is when i remember going there when i was very young and i had no shame about it and i just went for it and I remember communicating with everybody, and now I go back and I'm, I'm like, well, uh, I'm not really sure how to yeah. say that. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. But you know what? Within, with, with some tutorial help, I find if you learn a language when you're a child, uh, you don't totally forget it. You just lack practice in it, yeah. confidence in it, but the seeds are already sown. That's why both language and music need to be introduced in children's lives as early as possible. Yeah. Right. yeah, and it helps form your brain too. Right. Uh, have you um, have you ever been to Poland, Excellency? Yes, World Youth Day. Oh wow! Yes, yes. I've been to Poland. I've been to Spain. Um, no, I've been to a lot of World Youth. I've been to Sydney, Australia. Uh, I've been to Rio de Janeiro. Yep. For World Youth Day in Brazil, you were one of the speakers there, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I was, in fact, I've been a speaker in World Youth Day for the last five World Youth Days. But now I'm getting old. I mean, they need younger priests to do this, younger bishops to do I'm serious. I'm 62 years old. And I love doing it. But I mean, after a while, it almost becomes like a grandfather relationship. And these young people need somebody closer to their age to get them excited and 
you know, there's a season for everything in life. Yeah. I'm going to start doing talks with the elderly. <laughs> <laughs> elderly, world elderly, elderly day. <laughs> yeah, world elderly day. I think it'd be great. <laughs> How about, I'll, I'll ask you about one more uh, country. How about Lebanon? Because my wife is from Lebanon and she grew up there. Oh, Have you been there? Yeah, no. Beautiful you know, country. I have a very, oh, I know. I have a very dear friend, um, Michael Thomas, who is the core, is a core bishop in the Maronite Church. Um, and when I met uh, core bishop Thomas in Rome, and we grew in friendship, it was with his help that I was able to get by ritual faculties. And he taught me how to celebrate Mass in the Maronite Rite, which is beautiful, because even though I don't read Aramaic, to, to, to proclaim the words of consecration in Aramaic, which was the language Jesus spoke, is quite, you know, it's, um, I'm not exactly how to describe it, but it, it was, it was um, a very humbling and exhilarating experience all at once. Yeah. But anyway, we had talked about going to Lebanon. But now, now, yep. with Catholic Relief Services, oh. chair of the board, Okay, usually Catholic Relief Services and its board members travel to different places in the world to see firsthand the tremendous work that's being done. I took over as chair because Archbishop Gomez had asked me to in November, no, I guess it was the end of November, beginning of December of 2019. COVID breaks in January and we locked down in March. So I... And probably, I'm, I'm certain, I'm the only chair of the board of Catholic Relief Services in its history that hasn't traveled anywhere with CRS. So when the restrictions finally are lifted, which may still take more time, mm -hmm. then places like Lebanon and Syria and El Salvador and Ethiopia and so many of these other countries would be, in, would be the natural places to go visit. And that I am looking forward to very much because that is... That is almost a pilgrimage. It's not a business trip. It's a, a pilgrimage yeah. to see love in action. And so that I'm looking forward to once, you know, before I, my term ends, I'd like to, <laughs> like to try. <laughs> Come on, COVID. <laughs> yeah, so, but did you see recently, there was a report out of Israel, not to get people upset, but the Delta variant is now itself mutating. And in Israel, those fully vaccinated have fallen ill. Oh, no. So Israel is reimposing the mask mandate in certain circumstances. Wow. So this is not a joke. People have to take this very seriously. So, I mean, realistically, to travel around the world in the countries I've mentioned, I'm not sure when, if that's going to happen this year. It may happen next year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> I guess the, the biggest takeaway then is... You're not a um, sit on the beach guy. You're oh a God, see no. and do and, and learn, really, guy. The, the last time I went to the beach in the water was the time my uncle nearly drowned me when he tried to teach me how to swim. <laughs> that was when I was seven years old. Was the last time I was in the water at the beach. I was seven years old. I'm 62. I was, what is that, 50, 60, 55 years ago. Wow. And I don't miss it. I don't like sand, and I don't <laughs> like the sun. <laughs> so, so there you go. <laughs> oh, boy. 
let me um, ask you about um, music. What did you listen to growing up, and has it changed? Do you, what do you listen to now? Well, it's funny. It's um, I was a big music fan growing up. Okay. Uh, I was much more visual. So if you ask me what I watched on television as a kid, I could tell you all the old shows. But unlike, let's say, my sister and my niece and so many and some of my some of my friends who were big music connoisseurs, I was not. Okay. I still am not actually. Uh, the, uh, you know, you, you've heard of K-Love, right? Yes. Yes. So I took the K-Love challenge, you know, 30 days only K-Love a few <laughs> years ago. Okay. And except when I listen to Veritas, okay, <laughs> except when I, I'm listening to K-Love. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, it's Christian music and I find it very uplifting. I also find it very much interesting to, to see the commonality of the themes that are being sung about which informs my ministry and my preaching, yeah. believe it or not. Even though I'm Catholic and many of those singers are not Catholic, they're Christian, but they're not Catholic. Yeah. So that's the sort of music I listen to. And then there are times when I do really true want to kind of focus my life a bit, then I have a whole slew of CDs of Gregorian chant, which I find very beautiful to listen to. Yeah, yeah. Right. The K-Love thing, it used to be, when I was younger, Christian pop music was not at the same level as regular pop music. But now the music sounds the same, but at mm -hmm. least you get a, a positive message. Right. And the interesting thing is, in the last year or so, it, uh, it's very clear to me that the theme of human brokenness and being rescued by the merciful love of God yes. is in almost all the songs now being produced. And it's both a commentary on modern secular life, but also on how people f are looking for hope in a world that gives them many reasons to be beaten up. And where they find that, they find that in the Lord. So I find it extremely moving to hear because it's many times, it's, it's brutally honest and therefore it's transparent but it's a great entree for people who listen, who may be struggling to say, mm -hmm. well, then where do I go? Well, this person went to the Lord. I mean, maybe I should. You know, so in that sense, suffering, we've said many times, right, is the entree to encounter with Christ. Yes. So that Christian music serves a, a tremendous purpose in that regard because it can touch people who may just inadvertently just turn to it. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, that's for sure. Um, uh, I guess at at risk of embarrassing my kids, I'll just reveal that um, I love the really classic country music like Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Merle Haggard, Johnny Cash. Oh yeah, they'll never talk to you again. <laughs> <laughs> they always let out a loud groan whenever uh, I, I put that stuff on. <laughs> yeah, but it's quintessentially American, isn't it? It is. Right. The message is very different from K-Love. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but you know what's interesting? In K-Love, there's a group, Casting Crowns. Oh, they are so good. Aren't they good? But there's a bit of country in them. Isn't there? Yes. Yeah, there is a bit of country in them, in their music. Oh, no, I, that, yeah, I, would very much, I very much like country music. Not that I would seek it out, necessarily, <laughs> but if it's there, I could enjoy it. 
right? You know, but like rock and when I was growing up and, and you know, everybody's fascinated with the Beatles. I, I didn't get it. I still don't get it, to be honest. But, but again, <laughs> that's not to say that that music is not, it, it's, you know, you don't dispute with people's tastes. Right. But I didn't find any great up, uplift. Yeah. Or fascination. Mm-hmm. All right. So I think it's a good moment. Um, this has been fun so far, and um, it's, I'm looking forward to the other side of the break, but we will take a break. You're listening to Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network with Bishop Frank Caggiano, and we'll be right back. Catholic Radio works, and now we have it here in Connecticut and New York. It's been seen around the country that there's no better tool for evangelization. Where there's Catholic Radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith, families are strengthened, parishes and communities flourish. So, let people know you're listening to Veritas, tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and His Church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. All right, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. Excellency, this is uh, this is fun. Um, so let's see. You mentioned that you watched TV as a kid more than you listened oh, to movies. Yeah. I mean, music. So let's talk about the TV shows that you liked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My all-time favorite TV show growing up. This is a very odd thing to say was All in the Family. Really? Do you okay. remember All in the Family? I was never allowed to watch that. But, yeah. um, oh, really? Oh, see, see what type of upbringing I had? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and the reason it was, it because Archie Bunker was reminiscent in some ways, not in all ways, but in yeah. some ways of my father. And so therefore I had a sympathy for the man um, that helped me to make sense of, you know, the relationship I had with my dad. Yeah. Right? Because my dad was not a racist. Archie Bunker was. Right. Okay. Absolutely. However, there was, um, there was a gentler side to Archie Bunker outside of the hard exterior that every once in a while you would glimpse. And that, that very much resonated with my experience of my dad because my dad had a, a harder exterior on the outside, okay? Kind of the disciplinarian and tough and put you in your place, kind of like what Archie Bunker did to his, brother, his son-in-law. And he would, my father would do that too. But then there was a softer side to my father that as he grew older became more evident. Hmm. So what's the lesson to be learned? You watch it, and even though it was funny and all the rest in some ways, but nobody's beyond redemption. See, yes. now looking back as a cleric, I look back, Archie Bunker was not beyond redemption. Yeah. Right? And that um, with all the, the push and shoving of the show and all the rest, um, because you know, there were moments when I was growing up when my father was really kind of the disciplinarian, and I thought to myself, well, this man is hopeless. But he's not. He wasn't. He was a good man. Yeah. When you when you when you dug deep down inside in those moments and said, "No, there is a good," man. and in some way, shape, or form, it actually helped me to understand my father. I don't know if that makes sense, but right. So yeah. I was fascinated with the character. Absolutely, even though he sets the most idiotic things. <laughs> <laughs> but he was he was nuanced and and rounded. He wasn't just a one dimensional puppet. Over time. 
over okay. time. Okay. If you watch the show over time, because if you just saw an episode, you would say, this guy's insane, right? <laughs> but over time, you began to see the nuance. Huh. And that's exactly what happened with my father and I. I began to see as I grew older the, that my father wasn't just the disciplinarian or you know the provider, but there was someone who was gentle and, and caring and certainly generous and compassionate. But it's the narrative. Yeah. Over time, and the same thing here. Yeah. Right? It's the same thing here. So that's one show. <clears throat> but then I, the kids shows I loved, like Batman. I loved Batman. Oh, with okay. Adam West? Yeah. And the, the pow, bam. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so corny now to look at that. Yeah, especially with, with these 1,400 movies they've made for Batman since. Like, <laughs> right. There have been 17 different Batmans. But I mean, but in those days, he was he was the Batman and Catwoman and all this. I mean, it was, it was just a riot. I love that. And of course, Superman. I loved it. Some of them were in black and white. Others were in black and white, could you imagine? And in color, uh, because they aspired. Um, you know, as a kid, you want heroes, no? Yes, yep. And they were clearly good over evil. It was easy to make them your hero. Yeah. And now we live kind of in a kind of cynical, quote unquote, sophisticated world where, you know, your heroes are flawed, but yeah. they still can be heroes. Right. Yeah, which is true. But for an eight-year-old, seven-year-old, five-year-old, they're not mature enough to have that sort of analysis. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with, with giving them a hero um, that they can believe in that aspires them for, the great, for greatness. Yeah. And then yeah. life will teach you how to nuance it. Right? Yep. Yep. Why not present yep. an ideal? To which exactly. to aspire. Yeah, definitely. So my question is, do we do that anymore? Do we? What characters do we have where young people can have that? I'm not sure. Because I'm yeah. not, up, I mean, I'm not watching those short shows anymore. I don't know. It's yeah. an interesting question that maybe our listeners could weigh in on. Um, but everything now has to have a dark side. Yeah. Right? Like even Thor... You know, the movies now that have come out, Thor and the Dark World and the other, it's, it's this nuanced kind of mixed message. And I'm thinking to myself, like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can only think of two recent superheroes that have been in the movies that uh, kind of epitomize an ideal without those deep flaws. And it's um, Captain America um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and the new Wonder Woman. I only saw the first of the new Wonder Woman movies, but she's also just an ideal. She doesn't have that deep flaw. Um, it's kind of refreshing oh, to see. Oh, yes, that. yes, yes, yes. Oh, I see what you mean, yes. Yeah, I did see that movie, actually. I wait for them to come on cable. <laughs> Plus, I don't have time to go to movies, but I mean, when I do, like in the summer, I kind of catch up with some, yes, I do, yes, because of her, of Hades, because of her defeating of her brother, ultimately, right? Because she was, she was an offspring of Zeus, right? Um, the interesting thing, though, is it's still Greek mythology. Hmm. Yeah. It is good versus evil, but it's not in a Christian context, although you can understand it symbolically as a Christian context. That is why the Lord of the Rings, both in its works and in its cin cinematic presentation, 
the original trilogy, I find to be a classic piece of both fiction as well as Christian allegory. It's brilliant. It's yes. absolutely brilliant. Yep. Mm -hmm. And that's the sort of movie that I think our young people, when they get old enough to start nuancing, need to see. Because that movie is filled with nuanced figures. There are some what I call purer figures, like the Gandalf figure, right? the Aragon. And then mm -hmm. there are the ones that are conflicted, like Legolas yeah. and the dwarf and all the rest, right? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Boromir, he was conflicted. Yes, he, he was. was. But in the end, he kind of, he chose, he realized and he had a conversion at his death. Yeah. Those movies, I love those movies. Would you say those are among your favorites? Yes. Those three? Yes, oh. without a doubt. Yes. So good. Yes. Star Trek, Star Wars, and The Lord of the Rings. It's, it's fiction and science fiction. Because if I'm going to watch a movie, I don't want it like tremendously deep to give me some human lesson because I'll read the gospels for that. I don't need the movies to tell me that. Again, this is my bias. Yep. Everyone yep. could be listening. This man needs a psychiatrist, <laughs> which is probably true. But I don't, I don't want to go to a movie. I just want to escape into, right, into Starfleet. Or I want to go to Into the World, Star Wars. Yeah. And fight the evil empire. Yeah. Or even a movie like you mentioned, like Wonder Woman or, yeah, or Captain America. I want to see good win, period. That's it. How about <laughs> you do it? How about, have you ever seen, one of my favorites is um, Gladiator. Have you ever seen that? Oh, yes. 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 With Russell Crowe. No? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Again, uh, it's, um, it's virtue. Yeah. Right. And honor. It is addressing evil. Right? Although he's a bit conflicted. Because if he had had the chance, he would have murdered the emperor right. outside of, right, to seek vengeance. But in the end, he does not fully seek vengeance, right? He, he mutates into something else. No, it's a powerful movie. And again, the pagan world, if I could use that terminology, the Greco-Roman world, is useful for young people to learn about. And the philosophers of the ancient world. Because in many ways, it talks about the natural order. And virtue, apart from the infused virtues, right? The, the, the theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity that come through baptism. The natural, the human virtues are absolutely essential if you want to have a purposeful and meaningful life, right? If uh, we talk about having a purposeful life, well, it's the virtues. And the, the, the ancients, at their best, lived them and, ex and explored their meaning. That I think the modern world has to retrieve. Even believers have to retrieve. Because that's part of the nature that grace builds on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Right. What's your so, all-time favorite movie? All-time favorite movie. One movie. If I had to pick just one, mm -hmm. I think I would go with The Godfather. Really? Yeah. Just... You and my mother would have been the best of friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, my mother I... could keep watching The Godfather over <laughs> and over and over again. <laughs> it's such a great movie. I, um, I finally showed it to my oldest son, 
last summer when he was 17 and it starts out, you know, it's dark and it's quiet and it's talking and the, the, you know, videography is a little grainy and he was like, oh, what is this? But then after he watched it, he was like, wow, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. And again, it's, it's a, a, an epic piece. It's an epic piece. You know, um, when immigrants come in, in the past to the country, it was not easy for them to integrate. It's no different now with our newest immigrants. Mm -hmm. And therefore, the, the neighborhoods that they formed, and I'm going to say the associations that were formed, um, helped them to integrate. Now, unfortunately, um, because they were unregulated, um, evil and crime set up. Infiltrated it. So as they tried to create a power structure to help to advocate for them, then crime and criminals and those nefarious came in and usurped it, so that it wasn't just to aid them; it actually uh, subjected them. It held them back, right? And that is just a tragedy that has occurred over and over and over again. So we say the mafia. Well, yeah, the mafia exists, but. The most famous is the Italian mafia, but it's not the only mafia that exists. Almost every Im Im immigrant group has spawned this. And it's just, it's just very sad. It breaks my heart because instead of helping your own to kind of make it, you're actually hurting your own at your own expense yeah. and defeating the purpose of why they were trying to organize in the first place, yeah. create a power structure in the first place. Yeah. Have... Um Speaking of movies that I shown my kids, I showed I don't know if you've ever seen I don't know when this came out. It was black and white and it stars I think it's Peter Fonda, but a movie called Twelve Angry Men. No, I've not seen it. Uh it just takes place within uh a jury room, one room. It's it's based on a play, but it just takes mm -hmm. place in one room and it's twelve jurors who are hearing a murder case and it starts out eleven to one to vote guilty. And the entirety of the movie is just their back and forth debate, and um, interesting. It is interesting. The yeah, the personalities and the interpersonal dynamics and um, the logic and the reasoning, all this stuff. My fourteen-year-old son watched it, and he—it's like one of his favorite movies. And now he's like, I think you know. What do you think if I want to go to law school? I mean, it's a really—it's in black and white, so. Men. Twelve Angry okay. Men, so good. You, you know what else I enjoy, um, and I've not done this in a while, is Alfred Hitchcock movies. Ah, two in particular: Rear Window and mm -hmm. The Birds. Oh, The Birds! The Birds scared me to no end. <laughs> yes, <laughs> to no end. And uh, my recollection is they're black and white, right? Yeah, and I at least the so. uh, birds is black and white, but uh, who was it? Um, oh gosh, who starred in the rear window when the man had broken his leg and sees all of these events? Uh, in, uh, Jimmy Stewart oh, is it Jimmy Stewart. Yes, that's a fascinating movie of psychology, isn't it? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm writing it down because I want to show that. Yeah, to... it's fascinating. This summer maybe after I finish painting all the rooms, I need to paint. 
like in the evening, kind of watch those again because it, it, it's a journey into the mind. Alfred Hitchcock was brilliant, right? He really was in yeah. that to explore the psychology. It's no different than on PBS. I love to watch mystery when I have the time, particularly the Poirot series, Hercule Poirot, uh-huh. who is, a, I believe, is created by Agatha Christie, as Miss Marple was created by Agatha Christie. Fascinating, fascinating, fascinating. Not only because who done it and it's a crime and you have to try to figure it out, but it's the analysis. Because, you know, uh, Poirot always says it's method and logic. That's how you solve crime, method and logic. The truth is, it's a great way to analyze most situations you're in. Mm. And because he's so colorful, right? Because he's so eccentric. And yet you go into the lives of people and you're talking about jealousy and you're talking about envy and you're talking about theft and you're talking about, you know, the underbelly of human behavior and how it leads to crime. But in the solving of the crime, you, you break open all of these vices. Uh, I just find it absolutely fascinating. Fascinating stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I, have, I have two other movies I just want to throw out to you, but I do want to move on to mm-hmm. books too. So I want to ask you if you've ever, ever seen Arrival. So this kind of no. mixes, it's just very quickly, it's 12 alien spacecraft come down to Earth and they hover over different countries around the world. And each of the countries tries to make contact with the aliens inside and discern why they're here. And in America, they, they send in a linguistics expert. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't want to say anything more, but uh, just such a great, it's just a great movie. It's a great movie. Mm. Um, so that's Arrival. And then the other one was, have you ever seen Of Gods and Men, Excellency? No, I've heard of it. I've not seen it. Yeah, that one definitely is uh, is amazing. What's I mean, the plot? It's the it's the monks in Algeria mm-hmm. who were there. It's a true story, um, mm-hmm. and they were there uh, helping um, the mostly Muslim population, and they mm-hmm. had a hospital there and stuff. And then um, militant a militant group came in and took over, and so they have mm-hmm. a debate whether they should leave and flee and go back to France or if they should stay, and mm-hmm. they vote to stay. And I'm mm-hmm. not going to say anything more on that, but that's a true story, and it was an unbelievable movie. So great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Tremendous. Tremendous. Oh, my gosh. Now, when it comes to books, yes. so I, I do not do nearly the reading I once did on a personal level, um, and I do miss it. And summer, again, it's, 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 it's something that those who are psychologists listening to this probably say, I could help this man. <laughs> but um, I do a lot of reading for ministry and my work in so many different, like with the catechism and all this other stuff. So when I imagine going on vacation or even time that's leisure, for me, it's always more visual now mm-hmm. than it is to, to sit down and read. Mm-hmm. And, and I miss it because there's nothing better than a book that you throw yourself into and then you just, you do escape, right? You just go off, right? Um, when I was younger, I read The Inklings a lot and Catholic writers like Graham Greene and mm. uh, 
Walker Percy and, and of course, Tolkien and people like that. Yeah. Um, some of his fiction, some of his, um, uh, C.S. Lewis. N nothing these, these individuals wrote is wasting your time by reading them. Nothing. Yeah. Right. Fast. Um, there was a there was a book I read when I was a teenager, which I still have. I don't even remember the author, but it's called A Light in the Forest. Huh. A Light in the Forest, and it's about the exploitation, not the exploit, the exploits, not exploitation, the exploits of an Indian in the tribal relationships that he had, which was, again, because as a young, as a young man, the Iroquois fascinated me, the, the Indian tribes of New York State fascinated me, the North American martyrs fascinated me, yeah. all of that, right? Colonial history. Um, so uh, that's something that is on my bucket to start retrieving. And I think if I just carve out the time, maybe this, maybe this summer, then I think it will just resurrect itself because it is so enjoyable to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what do you do? You like to read? I love reading. I read less like you, like you, Excellency, than I used to. I used when I used to commute to the city, I would read on the train. But I have um, my two fiction books that pop out to me right off the bat, and I mentioned one um, a while ago on the air. And, and a listener wrote to me and said, can you repeat the name of that book? And they went and they got it. But it's um, Pillars of the Earth. It's set in um, medieval England. And it centers around a couple different groups. But one is a, uh, a monk who's trying to um, run an abbey. And the other is a builder, a master mason, who's trying to build a cathedral. And all of the stuff that happens. It's, a, it's fiction, but it's fantastic. And then the other one is... Um, New York by Edward Rutherford, and that's just a historical fiction of New York City. And it goes from oh. when it was New Amsterdam through 9-11 as seen through the eyes of a couple of generations of a couple of different families, and it is such a good book. So good. Oh, wow. I must tell you, now that you mention that, one of my favorite types of books are picture books of, let's for example, I have at least... 15 of them, of New York City, of Brooklyn, of different boroughs, even the Bronx, I have one, of pictures from the earliest recorded photos they have to the present. Oh, wow. There is a book on Gravesend that is one of my treasured possessions. Gravesend is the little uh, enclave I grew up in, the little neighborhood in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And there is a picture there in that book of the old St. Simon and Jude Church, which I remember vaguely as a boy. They knocked it down when I was 10. With a horse and buggy on Avenue T that was a dirt road. And there were just four or five buildings in the background. It was farmland. I mean, I could, I could stare at that picture for hours because it just blows open the imagination. 
because I can see now what the neighborhood is. I remember what it was as, as a kid, but to imagine it that yeah. way, yeah. right? Or the pictures of old Coney Island from 80 years ago, or downtown Brooklyn, when Flatbush Avenue was only a two-lane street, right? Or the Brooklyn Bridge, which, when you looked at the Brooklyn side in the New York books I have, and it, it, you see like lots of vacant land. <laughs> it's it just so extraordinary in my mind. Yeah. Right? Of an appreciation of how far we've come, good and bad, good and bad. And if you don't know where you came from, how in the name of goodness are you going to know where you're going? And that's kind of like the failed philosophy of the contemporary world where we're gonna redefine and redo everything. Nah, that doesn't, it doesn't work. Because if a tree separates itself from its roots, it dies. Mm -hmm. So those sort of books, and, and you know what, actually I'm just, yeah, I think it's time to revisit some of those. Outside on the porch, yeah, right? It would it, be, oh my gosh. Is that like mm. a coffee table size book? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. So they're next to my astronomy books. So those, right. are, those are my prized possessions. Those two. Right? Very much so. So mm -hmm. I, was, I was just, before we went on the air, Excellency, we were talking about how we just missed each other at an event last night. And it, I was there for the dinner portion, which I'm so bad at going around. I feel like I'm like bothering people by interrupting their conversations and, you know, mm -hmm. kind of quote, work in the room. So I'm really bad mm -hmm. at that. But, um, but I did talk to somebody who was talking about this show and she was like, yeah, you know, and, um, I was so, uh, she was, um, she thought it was so interesting that, that you had such a deep love of astronomy. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. tell us about, um, do you have similar type, uh, coffee books, coffee table oh, books yeah, for astronomy? Yes, lots of them. There's one book, for example, that has, um, it must have 200 pages. It's a huge book of all the discoveries of the Hubble telescope. And it's, it's extraordinary. We've talked about the science, how you can have light that's 13 and a half billion years old from stars we estimate are 34 billion light years away. <laughs> I mean, it's a contradiction in terms. <laughs> and then you come to the realization that space doesn't follow the same rules as matter. Well, perhaps there are no rules anyway. There's just observable behavior. We decided that they're laws or rules, but maybe they're not. Right. Right? So when you have, um, recently I was in a conversation with Bishop Cousins, and he mentioned that in, in his neck of the woods in Minnesota, St. Paul, Minneapolis, you know, there's lots of, of reports now among young adults who are fervent in their faith of healings. One in particular of a girl who was born with legs that were not the same size and within a short order, the leg grew four inches through the intercession of one of the saints they were asking for help. Wow. And we say, well, that breaks the laws of nature. But then the response back is, well, did nature tell us? that these are laws that are immutable? Or we just said observable behavior up to this point seems to move in this direction. But who's not to say that grace could not move nature? Of course it does all the time. Yeah. Right? So when you look at Hubble and you look at those gas nebula, 
right? Or the light that's emitted from 13 billion years ago. And you say, so then what has transpired all these eons that we can now see back in time? I, I just think it boggles. I just love it because it stretches your head till it hurts. <laughs> for, for me, as I'm listening to, to you speak, Excellency, I'm thinking, so we've got this planet, which, is, which feels huge, but it's just one in a solar system, which is one solar system in a galaxy full of solar systems, which is one galaxy in a universe full of galaxies. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and as infant, infinitesimally small as we are then in, in that regard, in that perspective, and God still is looking at me and being like, yes, yeah, Steve, I love you and I'm watching right. you and I care for you. Good. Because he's rescuing you from what nature would have made you, which is irrelevant. I find it fascinating that we live in a world where we're only looking at the subject, not within the objective context which astronomy can teach us. Because astronomy, if it teaches us nothing else, teaches us we are essentially less than a speck in the spectrum of all things created. So why do we think we're hot stuff? Why do we think everything should revolve around us when in fact it doesn't, naturally? So this, why astronomy fascinates me in part is because if you really are truly an astronomer, there is a humility that comes from that stance of science that is inescapable. And humility is the stance that the spiritual life begins with too. So one can be in service of the other. Amen. Let's take one more break, Excellency. And we'll be back with a listener question. This is Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano on the Veritas Catholic Network. We'll be right back. Why do we need Catholic radio? Because not everybody is sitting in front of a computer or watching their television set at home. How about when driving to work? How about while at work at your desk? Catholic radio is there for you. I may be a Catholic priest, but I'm still a student of the faith. And Catholic radio helps supply good material whether it be a question-and-answer format show, whether it be a show itself on doctrine or theology, I myself, as a priest, am always learning. Okay, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano. Um, So, Excellency, I was, you know, I have a couple questions here, but I think it'd be better, I think, as we spoke, it'd be better to devote larger sections of time to these questions Mm -hmm. because they are, Mm -hmm. they do require a little more thought um, and Mm -hmm. and explanation. Mm -hmm. I would like to just take the opportunity to um, invite listeners. If you, if you have, obviously, if you have questions that you want to ask Bishop Frank, you can send, post it on social media or you can email questions at veritascatholic.com. But also, um, if you have topics that you'd like us to talk about, that you would like to hear Bishop Frank really spend a, a good amount of time diving into a specific topic or a question or an issue, please send us those as well um, because uh, we'd love to, you know, make this show even more relevant to what you're looking for on the air. And, um, and His Excellency, as, as you've heard from the past year and a half, can talk about anything. Well, no, so. about that. Well, I could talk about anything. I'm not sure it makes sense, but I could talk about anything. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so uh, in the meantime, uh, because we did run late and it's my fault um, that we ran long, but uh, so we'll answer a question next week. But um, in the meantime, you can find Bishop Frank Caggiano on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
and you can find Veritas Catholic Network there as well. And Excellency, would you please give us your blessing? Absolutely. As we continue to walk these days of summer, we pray, O Lord, that these, these may be times and days of rejuvenation and recreation, of rest and grace. And may your Holy Spirit bless us and our listeners and all those whom we care. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay, Steve, I'll see you next week. Thanks, Excellency. Okay, all the best. Bye.